Tony. Hello, Canada. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense. Today's date is March 16th, 2021, and it's Tony here in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. How are you, my friend? I'm pretty good, but as has become uh, an occasional uh, <laughs> thing to happen to us here, I will have a very short window today, so uh, let's just dive right in. All right, let's do that on the show today. Vaccines. Who trusts AstraZeneca nowadays? Canada's telecom sector has just gotten smaller, and Justin Trudeau just can't help himself out. His nose keeps on growing. Where do you want to start, my friend? Uh, well, let's start with the uh, telecom, uh, because... Uh... As people may know, Rogers is buying out, um, uh, oh, crap, which one was it? Shaw. Shaw, yeah, Shaw. Rogers is buying out Shaw. Like, the worst telecom company in the country is buying out one of the best. Well, there's that, and what really bugs me is that Canada's telecom industry is... An oligopoly as it is. So what we've done now is we've just made that pool even smaller by allowing the biggest fish in the pool to buy up who was, uh, well, also a pretty big fish. So I'm really concerned that this turns into less competition, and less competition almost always means prices go up, service levels go down. Yeah, um, we're going to have, I mean, we've only really got four major service providers in the country um outside of quebec and now we now we're only gonna have three so the i mean it, it the prices are gonna go up i mean that's just it's what happens because they gotta they gotta pay for their purchase that they just made and um and usually customer service is where the cuts happen that's a good point. Yeah. And you're absolutely right on both of those. They they are going to have to recoup the money because I don't remember what the price tag was now. Do you remember how much they paid? I don't. I don't. Yeah. I know yeah. it was in the billions. So, uh, yeah, there's going to be a fair chunk of change they're going to have to recoup. Yeah. Yeah, they, they will. And, I mean, you'd think they would recoup it just from the profits of the company they just bought. But that's not how it works. The shareholders want profits right now, and uh, so that's that's what happens is they they make cuts on service and uh, raise prices. Yeah, and it's really sad, and it really bothers me that I'm going to guess it's the CRTC who's to uh, who's to blame for this, and I don't even want to affix the word blame, but I mean the CRTC really needs to. They need to allow for competition in Canada's telecom market. I mean, Canadians, if you look at the mobile phone industry, for example, Canadians pay by far the highest prices for for cell phone service of any industrialized country. Look at the rates in Australia, for example, and they're less than half of what Canadians pay. In the United States, a quarter. Like It's just ridiculous the rates we pay. And moves like this are only serving to drive those prices even further up. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's funny because Australia pays about half of what we do for for cell phone 
uh, plans. And they have half the population in a, in a, a country that is almost as big as ours. So, I mean, that doesn't even make sense because they have to have cell towers in places where there's almost nobody, right? Like there's, there's only a, 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 a handful of cities in, in all of Australia, but they have cell phone coverage between all the cities too. So like everybody says, oh, Canada has this, uh, you know, the highest prices because we have so, uh, you know, we have big distances between the cities and we have to cover that with cell phone towers. So does Australia. I mean, the U.S. does too. I mean, it's the U.S. major population centers are along the seaboards, and in between is actually very sparsely populated. Um, not not as sparsely as Canada or Australia, but still, they don't have a lot of big cities or or even a lot of population in the Midwest, right? And so, but Australia is even even less populated per kilometer than than uh, Canada and yet their cell phone prices are half of what ours are yeah that's a good point like Australia you're right there is a they are highly urbanized but if you go across the Australian outback it's like driving through the Northwest Territories in Canada I mean people are very few and far between yet for some reason cell phone coverage or rates in Australia are way cheaper than ours. And I don't know how many uh, mobile providers Australia has, to be fair, but obviously they're doing something that we're not. Yeah, I I can't see them having very many cell phone providers considering they only have, like, what, 19 or 20 million people? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so I can't really see that. I I really can't uh, believe that they would have more than maybe two or three cell phone providers yeah you wouldn't think that i mean even in the united states i mean they've got a lot of cell phone or a lot of mobile telecom companies but really the largest ones are the you know the verizons and at&t's of the world so i mean they've only got a few very large fish at the top yet still with the smaller carriers in play who use the same networks they're still able able to provide way cheaper service yeah and, and, I mean, if you look in Canada, like, people say, oh, we got lots. We got Virgin. We got Bell. We got Telus. You know, all of these. But half of them are owned by the same companies. Yeah, see, that's the thing people don't understand. I know that someone I used to work with said, oh, I've got Kudu. It's like, well, yeah, well, they're owned by Rogers. And, you know, they say, oh, we've got this company. But, yeah, Bell bought those guys out years ago. And yeah, yeah, Bell so owns really- Virgin. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, I mean, really, it's it's really the big three who keep some of these other names around. So, uh, this was a horrible move, and I don't understand why the CRTC let it go. Yeah, and you know what? I'm not I'm not usually one to uh, be in favor of government uh, intervention and government uh, regulated regulating bodies, but this is one time where the CRTC really did need to step in and say, no, sorry, this isn't going to happen. Yeah. Well, and actually government can shield shoulder some of the blame for this. Cause a few years ago, when I believe when Stephen Harper was still prime minister, there was a big sell-off of, of broadband in Canada from uh, uh, analog television waves. And 
that was a perfect opportunity to invite foreign carriers in, like Verizon, for example. And the Canadian government effectively said, no, no, we'll just keep things as they are. So, of course, the big three fish bought up all that, that broadband that they could and perpetuated the problem. And unfortunately, the government does need to step in and say, you know, hey, we need more competition here. Like, I don't think Canada has any kind of antitrust laws like the United States has. Or if we do, they're obviously pretty weak because we don't use them. But that's something of what we need. We need to have government step in and say, this is wrong and we got to fix it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. All right. Um, one more note in the telecoms before we move on. Um, Sastel and Lewis, you had... Uh, sort of hinted at this in a, a few shows ago that Sastel was also walking away from Huawei and today's announcement, Sastel has signed a deal with Samsung to develop 5G technology here in Saskatchewan. So now I'm reaching out to you, Justin Trudeau. There is no telecom company in Canada that is having anything to do with Huawei to develop 5G. So here, Mr. Trudeau, is the easiest possible public relations statement we can hand to you on a silver platter. Just say no to Huawei because you, you can't say yes because no telecoms are behind you. So just go ahead and say no to Huawei, Justin. You can do this. Yeah, the telecoms did Justin Trudeau's job for him. They did. And honestly, that's not a bad thing. I mean, the, the market spoke. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, the, I guarantee you the telecoms heard from their customers who said, we don't want you to use Huawei. And, and they all announced that they weren't going to use Huawei. And they essentially did Justin's job for him. Yeah, exactly. So all Justin Trudeau has to do now is say, Hey, you know, our, our telecoms have spoken. Sorry, even if I wanted to use Huawei, we can't now. Or whatever. He can paint this however he wants. He just has to say no. But he still yeah. won't. Yeah. And it's funny because Huawei isn't even in our 5G network. But the, but the rest of the five eyes still will not share uh, uh, data and, uh, and uh, information with Canada because we still won't ban Huawei. Even though we're not using Huawei, they won't share info with us because Huawei, there's still the possibility that Huawei could, could uh, be a part of it because they, had, they haven't been banned. Yeah, good point. And there was a show on the radio. I'm not sure if it was Roy Greens or if it was Powerplay. They had played a clip from Susan Rice when she was still uh, you know, in the Obama administration saying back then in 2015 that, you know, if Canada continues this relationship with Huawei, you know, there's going to be some serious consequences. And yet Justin Trudeau still keeps going on his sunny ways. And here's the, you know, and here's the, the consequences. They've, you know, the five eyes have now said, um, no, sorry, you're out. Yeah, it's essentially the four eyes now. Basically, yeah. I mean, they haven't formally kicked Canada out, but they're not sharing intelligence with us. Are we really part of the Five Eyes? Yeah. And and honestly, that puts Canada at risk when we're not being, we're not, we're not having, uh, you know, 
our our allies share information with us. Oh, totally, yeah. I mean that that could be us missing a terrorist attack or something like that because they aren't sharing any information with us with regards to uh, uh, intelligence. And, and, that, and I mean, that's, that's not a good thing. Like we really need to be a part of that group. I mean, we've been a part of that group for a long time and we really need to be a part of that intelligence group. And, and yet our, uh, our, our uh, illustrious prime minister won't say the, the uh, the two words that need to be said, and that's no Huawei. Yeah, exactly. It's just uh, well, it just makes me frustrated. And uh, I know our time is limited. So what else makes me frustrated is our vaccine situation. So we are still fifty seventh in the world for vaccinated in our population, and only five hundred ninety thousand Canadians have gotten full vaccination, as in getting full shots. And AstraZeneca is now creating some problems. In fact, Norway, Italy, Iceland, Austria, a total of nine countries have now suspended use of the AstraZeneca vaccine due to uh, blood clotting issues. Yeah, um, I think it might be a bit of an overreaction. I mean, there's been 37 people with blood clotting issues out of, I think, 17 million shots given. So it's not like this is an an overwhelming amount of people. It's 37 out of 17 million. Um, So I'm not, that's not really something I I think is, should be, worrying anybody um i mean it's uh honestly i I mean the one that i will take if i am forced to take one is the johnson and johnson um just because it's a one-shot vaccine and uh since it it's uh effective or its efficacy rate is only about 65 percent my immune system does a better job than that and uh, so I figure if it's if it's only sixty five percent, it's probably not going to hurt me very much either. Well, there's that. And what I find funny is that, of course, the uh, chief medical health officer in Alberta, Dina Hinshaw, immediately came out and said, "Well, hey, the AstraZeneca we have is from India, not the same batch, so damage control right off the bat, fine." Yeah. But here's where I want to go with this: the, a Gallup poll released uh, just over the weekend show that 50% of frontline healthcare workers, and I'm saying that slowly so it sinks in Canada, 50% of frontline healthcare workers will not take the COVID vaccine. And I just asked myself, if 50% of the people right at the front lines don't want the vaccine, what do they know that I don't? Well, I don't think they know anything that you don't. Uh, I think they know what we know, and that, which is why you and I are, are two people that don't want to take the vaccines. And that is, we are reaching herd immunity 
even without the vaccines. And I mean, cases are dropping everywhere around the world. And I think like we're coming to a point where we're, we're developing herd immunity and we're, and we're finding out that, you know, it's not nearly as deadly as they originally thought it was going to be yet. They keep treating it like it, it, like it is. They keep treating it like it's the black plague. And, um, when this all started, they thought that that's what it was. And, uh, and, and fine. Everybody thought we were, we were going to lose people. Everybody thought we were going to lose, you know, some of our friends and family. And, but it quickly became obvious that that wasn't the case, but governments around the world continued to treat it like it was. And we've been treating it like that for a year now. Yeah, I think that that's a good point, you know, and I actually would give governments around the world a pass for the initially, you know, having that initial concern that, yes, this was going to be the next black plague. But like you said, we very quickly discovered that, no, this is highly survivable. Oh, as a matter of fact, it's 99 percent survivable. But yet they still continue to push vaccines, vaccines, vaccines. And I know you were called some really nasty name for suggesting that, I mean, uh, this was a very survivable vaccine, but yet we would probably have to show some kind of proof that we have this vaccine. And now, oh God, you were called a conspiracy theorist, but again, you were proven right. Justin Trudeau now is all in for vaccine passports and even now is having some ideas how to implement them. Is he? He is, yeah. He's talking about vaccine passports. And, of course, the Toronto Star was suggesting, well, maybe it couldn't be done on a national level, but perhaps the private sector should be in charge of this. So they're wow. already setting the table. See, that's news to me. I, I mean, and granted, I haven't been paying very much attention to the news in the last few days because um, I've been very busy. But what uh, last the last time I read about about it was uh, late last week and he was saying that he was actually reluctant to use vaccine passports and that it could infringe upon our, our uh, charter of rights and freedoms. Um, but now you're saying that he's all in? He's warmed up to the idea now and I actually agreed with what he said last week. It certainly is a violation of our charter rights. But now he seems to have warmed up to the idea. The Toronto Star, Susan Delacourt, actually wrote an article about it today. And uh, it's behind a paywall. So if you're not actually a subscriber to Toronto Star, you might not get get her article. Or you might. I mean, I'm not sure if hers is behind the paywall or not. But at any rate, yeah, she was uh, saying that, well, not only is it an idea worth considering, now she's even bringing up you know, possible ways to do it. Great. So who's I mean, the conspiracy theorist now? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, and it, it's funny. I mean, like I get called a conspiracy theorist a lot when I suggested a year ago, I suggested, or more than a year ago now, because it was before COVID, when I suggested that everybody should start buying their favorite movies and books and stuff on in physical form and not digitally because they're going to start banning them or changing them. And your digital copy will be changed. And hey, guess what? 
they're banning movies, they're banning books, and I was called a conspiracy theorist when I suggested that. Yeah. Um, actually, I, on that, uh, since you uh, brought that up, we'll take one sidebar before we get to our, our last topic. Um, Michael Campbell, who has a uh, podcast every weekend called Money Talks, and even if you're not financially motivated, I suggest anybody in Canada listen to that show because he says a lot of great things about a lot of topics. One of those, he was uh, talking, and that's actually where I take him to task, um, talking about banning books, he said, oh, well, I mean, they're banning Dr. Seuss, but yet they won't ban Mein Kampf. And I thought to myself, no, don't ban Mein Kampf because we need to learn about the evils of books like that. And we need, we need everybody should be reading, or at least, you know, reading an abridged version of books like Mein Kampf you know, and Dr. Seuss. But, but we can't be banning books like Mein Kampf so we you know, are completely shielded from the evil of this world. Yeah, I don't think that that's what he was suggesting. I heard the same episode, and I think what he was just meaning was, like, they're banning Dr. Seuss books because they violate their community standards or whatever, but they still are selling Mein Kampf. And I don't think that what he meant was, let's ban Mein Kampf as well. He was, he was saying, you know, like, the hypocrisy is... Oh, okay. Yeah, like, like I, I agree with with him. I mean, it's like I don't think they should be banning any books. Um, but how can you say Dr. Seuss books uh, contravene your community standards, but Mein Kampf doesn't? Okay, from well, if, from that standpoint, yeah. Okay, then I can see it if that's uh, yeah, that would make more sense. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's like I just I have. I don't, I don't believe in book burning and these digital book bans and, and banning books by Amazon and stuff are basically digital book burnings. Um, oh, yeah. And, and I, and I, and I, it really bothers me. And, and I mean, and like I, I, I believe I said last week on the show that, you know, that, Anybody in history that has ever advocated for banning books and censorship were never the good guys. Right. Yeah. They're, they're always the bad guys. And yet we never learn from this. Yeah. Pretty sad. So, yeah. All right. So from book banning to government cover-ups, Let's talk about our good friend, Justin Trudeau. Now, Justin Trudeau just cannot get out of his own way. And yet again, he has now been caught lying. So um, I'm just going to establish a little pattern for all of us. When the, when the pandemic started a year ago, Justin Trudeau said, we have on the way to Canada... 160,000 liters of hand sanitizer to help keep can Canadians safe. Oops. It was actually only 10,000, but 160,000 sounded really good. And then when our first shipment of PPE arrived, he said, we've got seven more ships of PPE on their way to Canada so we can all be safe. But there actually wasn't any more coming. Oops. Just an oversight on his part, I'm sure. We've got a 
plane, cargo plane, flying to Beijing to pick up container loads of PPE that came home empty. Let's fast forward a little bit now to our friends with the We We Charity. Well, we know Justin did nothing but lie with We. And now the latest lie that Justin Trudeau was caught up in was this whole situation with General Vance and allegations of sexual assault. Now, on Canada, I'm sure you've heard by now that the uh, former military ombudsman, uh, Mr. Gary Wallman, had stated uh, to the the defense committee in testimony that he had told Hargit Sajjan three years ago that there was allegations of sexual misconduct or improprieties with general involving General Vance, and that the Minister Sajjan didn't want to hear any of it, and Justin Trudeau said that he was never made aware of it. He heard about it on the news only a month ago. And now it com- comes out that, oh, his office was actually aware of it. And, oh, he was aware of it three years ago. Whoops, slipped his mind, making me sick. Well, I mean, let's be fair. They might have experienced it a little differently. <laughs> I was actually thinking the exact same thing when I heard him say that. Because, <laughs> I mean, that was right around the time when he was being accused, when when the, that uh, decades-old uh, allegation of him being the company groper um, came to light. Where I think that was about three, three years ago. Um, Good point. So... The last thing he could do is come out uh, against General Vance and, and, and fire him uh, because he was facing the same allegations at the time. That's true. So instead of firing General Vance, they gave him a promotion and a retroactive raise. Yeah. No, I know this is, I mean, Minister uh, Sajin, or I, I, I can never figure out how to say his name. No, Minister, nor can I. Yeah. Yeah. Minister Sajin, uh, he knew about it three years ago. Trudeau knew about it three years ago. But, Tr- but of course, Trudeau lied, said he had no idea. He found out on the news. Even if that was true, that is shameful. Because how does a prime minister only find out about things on the news? Because this isn't the first time he said he has found something out on the news no that's right i mean he's just trying to i don't know if he's trying to be cute or if he's just trying to cover up or think canadians are that dumb but i mean now it's been discovered that he knew and now he had he's been forced to admit that he knew and to me that makes it more of a scandal because by trying to sweep this under the rug by giving general vance that motion and a big raise in pay that just tells me he condones that behavior and that is completely unacceptable for any political leader. Yeah, absolutely. And and I mean, we know that he condones that kind of behavior because he uh he perpetrated uh a behavior like that at one time too. I mean, not I don't know about the uh how if the severity of it was was the same, but Unwanted advances are unwanted advances. And when you, I mean, because we know he groped a, a reporter 
20 years ago. And, uh, and he, of course, did what he condemned all kinds of other men for doing and said, oh, well, you know, I didn't think it was. People experience things differently. And up until then, he said, believe all women and women, you know, uh, it only matters how the woman felt, not the men. But then when, it ha- when he was accused of it, no, sorry, it, it matters. It matters. I didn't think I was doing anything wrong by groping her. Well, to be fair, if, if he had known she was writing for a national newspaper, he wouldn't have been so forward. Well, that's true. That's true. If it was just a uh, a local uh, weekly ma- uh, a newspaper, it would have been okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. Ridiculous. And just so our listeners know, that was one of the things that he said to the reporter was, if he'd known that she was a national reporter, he would never have done what he did. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, and he actually used the words, I wouldn't have been so forward. And because yeah. that makes it all better. Exactly. And because I promised I'd never let you forget Canada, that reporter's name was Rose Knight. And I certainly wish she would have come forward with uh, with some charges or some kind of legal action. But it's her choice not to, and I respect that. But I'm never going to let Canada forget who she is. Yeah. So anyway, I'm a little upset that, uh, that he's, again, Mr. Trudeau is likely going to skate with no consequences from this. And he keeps lying to Canadians and Canadians catch him lying. And yet, ah, what are you going to do? Yeah. No, I'm going to scream is what I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm tired of it. I'm sick of it. I can't wait for this guy to go. And, uh, and I, I wish that, um, Aaron O'Toole would do something about it, but he, but he's just, he's failing at his job. So, I mean, the numbers, he never even got a bump in the polls, which is really, really rare. A, a new political leader usually gets a bump in the polls, and O'Toole didn't even get that. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's, uh, it's sad, is what it is. It's really sad. Yep, I have very little faith that we will have a different prime minister anytime soon. Unfortunately, the numbers are uh, are on your side. I mean, the, the Trudeau government, Justin Trudeau, still has better numbers than Aaron O'Toole, and the NDP numbers are starting to go down, which means always better fortunes for the Liberal Party of Canada. So, yeah, sorry, Canada, we're looking at another Trudeau government, and I think he knows that, and that's why this, uh, you know, a, a budget hypothetically is being prepared which we know is going to be an election document and it's going to be give, 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 and we'll worry about how to pay for it later because it's just going to be buying votes. Yep. Exactly. Well, on that sour note, Canada. (laughs) Well, actually, I I do want to leave Canada on a a positive note, Canada, or at least a grateful one. Um, now, I just heard a statistic last week, and this was uh, a U.S. statistic, but the numbers are going to be similar here in Canada. The average podcast listener apparently tunes into an average of five podcasts. And during any given week, the average podcaster will listen to eight episodes out of those, those five shows they pick. Now, I'm way over the numbers on both of those, but I just want to say thank you very much, Canada, 
for making Canadian Common Sense one of those shows that you listen to and one of those average of eight episodes that you tune into. We're very humbled and uh, really appreciate your listenership. Yeah, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. And our listenership has been increasing. So we, uh, we, we're very grateful to you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Lewis, we know that you've got a hard break, so you got to get out of here. So we'll uh, we'll leave it there for now, Canada. So we want to thank you again for tuning in. Until next week, it's Tony out here in Saskatchewan. And Lewis in BC. Good night. Good night. and Tony.